Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Part two of my conversation with Robert and Noel Peterson from Add Value to Life. You want to go to Add, A-D-D, Value, V-A-L-U-E, to the number two, life.com. And you can find their resources. You can find out about their company. But we're going to hear their story in this episode. And you know the Intentional Encourager podcast. We want to get to the story. The, the, the company stuff and the, con- we had a great conversation in part one. You enjoy, you got some good stuff from Robert and Noel in part one, but you're going to hear the story, getting them to where they are today. Robert and Noel Peterson, thank you so much for joining me again on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you for having us, Brian. It's been a, an awesome conversation and a joy to be here. Thank you both. Listen, I told Robert when I was on your guys' podcast, I didn't say it in part one of the, the 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 in part one of the episode. If you're watching on YouTube, Robert is Dave Ramsey's doppelganger. I think if you guys went around Nashville, Tennessee, people would come up to him and go, "Will you sign my book?" You, you know, maybe maybe that you know maybe that happens, maybe that doesn't. If he flies someplace, people are gonna go, "That's Dave Ramsey." No, it's not Dave Ramsey. It's Robert Peterson. And trust me, he's just as skilled in leadership as Dave Ramsey is. So, you know, there you go. So uh, if you if you if you want financial counseling, go to Dave. If you want leadership perspectives, go to Robert. That's that's the that's what we're going to do here. But Robert, Noel, I want you guys to take me as far back as you want to take me in your story. Noel, you mentioned in the first part of our conversation being surrounded by your grandparents and great grandparents when you were a kid living with them for a while, but share parts of your guys' individual and collective story, some obstacles you've overcome and, and just how we you've, you've gotten from point A to where we are today. And, and I, I may jump in with a question or two, but I want to leave as much space, room and time for you to tell your story. I'll start there. I, I uh, grew up in a Christian family, um, fifth generation Coloradoan, um, with four generations, I think, when I was born here and just lived with the family. We did everything with family. It was very important. 
we did all the holidays with the extended family um till i was like 12 and so growing up it was that was what you did is you hung out with family uh by the time i was 17 i was graduating high school and moving on to married and then divorced and then found robert in 91 um and then went to college a little backwards but filling some gaps yeah so i grew up here in colorado and joined the marine corps right out of high school also married my high school sweetheart and through deployment and serving in the marines thank you for your my service by sweetheart. the way yeah thank you for welcome. your service yeah the marine corps was was really good to me and and uh had a great experience visited nine different countries in the world because you know while i was serving and and it kind of laid the groundwork for noel's and my future life together so after you know leaving the marine corps and coming back home to colorado um i met her and and i guess we love to tell people because we we met in a truck stop and so that always adds to the to the entertainment um she was working there with a high school friend of mine and I went to visit the high school friend who apparently was plotting to introduce us. And we spent uh, four hours at a Denny's after their shift at 11 PM. And she thought I was creepy. So not sure how she made the transition from creepy to married, but Denny sounds like a West Virginia courtship. It's, you know, you don't take anybody, you know, here, you don't take anybody to a fancy restaurant. You know, if we had a Denny's here, you know, more more like for us it'd be like dwight's or you know now we hey we just got a waffle house here so i, I mean it, yeah yeah so but that that sounds like a very hillbilly meeting in courtship i gotta ask though you, you both what was going through your mind you both had gone through a marriage and divorce both of you were you guys looking or was it one of those situations where you felt like it was just the right place at the right time and the right intersection in your lives to come together for, for the both of you. I was definitely looking, I was um, leaving a not uh, healthy environment for the Christian bringing up and the person that I originally was years prior. And I had gone to work that day with the, and told my friend that I, we've got to go out. We need to be around other people. I need to separate myself from this situation. And I, I wasn't looking, but I also didn't like being alone. And so that's a really messed up kind of place to be, right? I don't want anything to do with women or get married, but I don't like being alone. And so <laughs> it was, I guess it was more of, yeah, looking for all the wrong things at all the wrong time. Um, I think both of us, you know, had a Christian background, but certainly weren't uh, looking to Jesus for answers in our life at that point in time. And uh, it took us a couple of years after we got together to uh, we chased, we chased a job down to Florida and spent three months living in Siesta Key, which for those of you in West Virginia, you may not understand that, you know, this was a place in the nineties that houses were $3,000 a month. And, wow. and uh, I was working two jobs to pay somebody else's mortgage. And I was watching their kids. And uh, we were wow. yeah living with another family for all on this business promise that we were going to build, build this business and, and make all kinds of money. And, and it just became overwhelming. And our family had some airline vouchers and managed to bring us home 
for Christmas. And during that Christmas time, honored my mom by going to a Christmas Eve service with mom and dad. And, and, uh, really in the middle of that service, God grabbed me on the shoulder and, you know, whether it was verbal or, um, just, just knowing it was basically God said, you, you need to come back to Colorado. And we got in an airplane, flew to Tampa Bay, drove down, picked up our car, loaded it up and drove back home and moved in with Noel's grandma. Cause we didn't have a job or a place to live. And so we spent, uh, few years living with her grandma that that really transformed our lives and then spent got involved in her family's church starting the very next week and started doing whatever the church needed so we we assisted in the children's ministry on sunday nights when they played games and i drove a van to pick up the elderly that and folks that couldn't drive on sunday mornings because that was one way i could interact with people and not get in trouble and so what was Robert? I gotta ask you, what was the one thing that you guys learned living in Florida for that short time? Because, Noel, you said, Robert, you said I was working two jobs, I was paying somebody else's mortgage, and Noel, you said I was watching their kids. I gotta think there was something that you took from that experience that that was one of those things because the way you said it, and how you said it, it was kind of like that was really good for us to go through that because it taught us this what did you learn from that experience that shaped how you moved forward in your life i think you need to focus on and you and what is your priorities what is your goal what are you really here for don't do something for somebody else's dream that's exactly what i would say as well as don't don't live somebody else's dream um and, and we got caught up into it chasing, uh, we usually shall share the story saying we were chasing dollars instead of purpose. Wow. So what's really cool is that God got us involved in our family's church and, and we were still, I mean, obviously young Christians or young mm -hmm. restarting Christians. And, this was back after you moved back to Colorado. Yep. 95. Yeah. And, and. I bugged the pastor just enough. I was studying the Bible just enough, reading just enough to, to have questions. And every week I just bug him with a question. And he finally said, you know, I do this discipleship thing. I, I, I take one or two guys a year through, we meet every week and do read these books, study the Bible. You know, I, I, I guess I need to have you in there. So you'll stop bothering me. And, uh, and so I jumped right in and, you know, we studied scripture every week. We prayed together every week and we were reading, you know, C.S. Lewis and, and many other, you know, Christian scholars, you know, week after week. And, and about six months through that made the decision that I needed to go into full-time ministry, which required me to finish my degree. And since the Marine Corps, I, I dabbled in college. I, I do really well for one semester and get bored and, and, and quit. And so enrolled in, in Bible college here and uh, did three calendar years and, or did three basically three years of college and two calendar years. And uh, God just, you know, had a plan and a purpose and we became missionaries and I was ordained and we moved to South America and lived in Bogota, Colombia for 10 years, um, primarily coaching Colombian pastors in the business of running a church. So they're really good at preaching and teaching, but helping them 
with all the business aspects of church and the systems and processes to to put in place to to make the church um, increase the chances of longevity, right? Because you're you're treating it like a business. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. So what is leadership like in another country? I mean, you know, you would you would think, okay, well, the principles of leadership are universal, but you also have to take in cultural norms. You have to take in um, different different leadership, different ways of communication. Um, you know, I, I, I and and the reason I say that is, um, there was a young man that my son went to Christian school with that came from West Africa. And he would never look you in the eye because in his culture, that was a sign of disrespect. And so it was, you know, it took a while for the coaches to be like, well, well, Delon is not, he's disrespectful. But in his culture, that was a sign of disrespect. And I remember that, that sticking out. And um, what did you have to adapt about yourself other than we're moving to Colombia, this is a whole new culture, things like that. What did you have to adapt about yourself and the way you coached leaders and pastors that that changed the way you went about doing business? I hope I asked that question the right way. Oh, right? no, absolutely. I think one of the biggest challenges in a culture like Colombia is because of the class system. Um, you know, there, there is a class, a class system, and even even among you know the lowest class the the poverty class their titles titles have a, a great deal of value and of course um, their history with the catholic church creates this admiration this this extra level of pedestal pedestal or power for somebody who has a title and so when when somebody would be named a pastor in a church or even declare themselves a pastor in a church, um, I think there was, there was an extra level of power and ego that, that came along with that um, played into their, their machismo a little. And, and I think being able to help these human men <laughs> understand their role in leadership as an equal to their congregation um, was was pretty challenging because once once somebody feels like they've attained something, their motivation to learn and to grow is diminished by the title. 
Well, and, and Lord Acton said this 170 years ago in Britain, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what I could sense about what you what the challenges you guys were going through is just because you're titled a pastor, the Word of God actually says, you know, there's much more to the, the role of pastor. You're actually there to bring the bread of life to your congregation, not for your congregation to feed into your ego. And, and we, you know, a lot of times we, even in the United States, that has crept up in the church where it's like, we've got these guys that are, that are, that are senior pastors and, you know, we're you know, the, I'm the, I'm the preaching pastor and listen, I can't be bothered with this little stuff. We've got this other pastor that'll minister to you one-on-one. We've layered ourselves away from the connection to the, to the shepherd, mm. the, the, the sheep aren't connected to the shepherd. If, if you, and forgive me for going off on a tangent, you just opened up something beautiful there, Robert, is a lot of times what you saw in Colombia is what's happening in the church today in the United States. Is, Absolutely. Is the shepherd and the sheep are disconnected, and that's never the case. The shepherd is always connected. A, a literal shepherd is connected to his sheep. He, you know, it, it's, it's what the Bible talks about when, the, when the, the one leaves the fold, the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9. How did you have to cut through that and remind those pastors that, like, look, this is not the biblical model of a pastor? Did you did you find yourself constantly butting heads, and and how did you work through that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that we we butted heads, but I think there was always, uh, you know, first of the level of building trust, and um, you know, we were. At, at our point, we were pretty much second generation missionaries in Colombia. So there was a first generation missionaries that had earned a level of respect. And, and I think the big difference between, so the first generation missionaries, they went in and they became the pastors. Mm -hmm. And, and so now you've got a white American pastor in the front of your Colombian church who has credibility because he's, you know, well, it's American and, and, and they're wise and they're this, and, and our goal in going in with our team was, you know, we're not going to have that front seat. We're not going to be in that front role because we plan to leave in 10 years. We had an exit strategy. And part of that exit strategy is empower the Colombians in, in their place. And, and of course, so our, our role by definition was to lift them up and build them up and prepare them. But at the same time, not allow them to, to see it as a position of power. Forgive me for jumping in there. That is amazing that you had an exit strategy because a lot of missionaries that I know will say, well, we're here until the Lord tells us otherwise. It's convenient. You guys, yeah, you guys said we're here for 10 years. Take me through that last year. Was it difficult for you guys knowing that this is it? This is year 10. This time next year, we're not going to be here. Did it, Was it difficult from an emotional standpoint, or were you guys ready to move on with that next chapter of your lives? Yeah, I mean, I think because we'd had, had that preparation and we were very intentional about it, um, it was it was just the next transition in our in our life. And and God was honoring some other things in our lives as well. So Noel's grandma and and mother were both in you know in declining health and so this was an opportunity for our kids to come home and build a relationship before 
that wasn't possible with their grandma and their great grandma. Um, and so the so the timing of of events in life matched the plan, uh, which you know in our minds was God honoring, you know honoring our intentions and honoring our plan from the very beginning. Noel, you mentioned that you were very close to your family. You mentioned early on in this conversation, you did everything with your family. You you were around your family a lot. How is it moving thousands of miles away from your family and not having that bond and support there? How did you get through it? Or were you just so focused on why you were there that, you know, and, and, and this is in the 90s and early 2000s before Zoom, before video calling, before all the other technological things that we enjoy today that keep us connected even being thousands of miles because I've, I've had folks from all across the globe on this podcast through the video and things like that. You guys are in Colorado. I'm in West Virginia. How did you stay connected to your family? And was it hard for you to be gone for that long away from your family? So to preface that I had grown through my teenage years, we had struggles. I was the oldest of four kids. So by the time I met Robert, the familial relationships were very strained. Um, the family aspect with my extended family had dissipated. The great grandparents had passed on and we were no longer doing family events. So when we moved overseas, to me, it was a blessing. It allowed me to grow as a mom, as a wife, learn to cook and be a, a person and a woman without any input from negative Nancy at home. Um, I honestly did not have a good relationship with my mother after my teenage years and grandma uh, was our, our saving grace. We did, we did live with my grandma for several years prior to moving overseas and every furlough we came home, we came home every other year for the summer. So it was three to four months every other year we lived with grandma. And so my kids still did get a relationship with her and she cared deeply for us, uh, regardless of our personalities or choices. She loved us and uh, loved supporting us. And she actually did come to see us in Columbia. They wow. had to remodel her house one year and she needed to be out of it for like six weeks. And she didn't want to go live with her son. She didn't want to live with her daughters. Nothing sounded good. But when somebody mentioned going to come see us, you know, thousands of miles away, she jumped at the chance. Now, this is a woman who is you know, probably 350 pounds in her 70s, traveling internationally for the first time, but she wanted to see her grandbabies. Grandma jumped an airplane. That is, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta think that that did both of your hearts good, Be, seeing a familiar face and it's like, she's coming to bless us. That six weeks, I want to I want to just pull a little more conversation out of that. Yeah. So, Robert's parents actually came every other year, so they okay. came and visited us, wow. you know, five five times over our ten years, maybe six. Um, so it wasn't uncommon to have people visit. We loved having trips and having small groups come, but we did make a special event, and we actually tricked our, our kids a little bit and took them on an errand, and happened to pull up to the airport 
as uh, Robert uh, wheeled her out in a wheelchair. And my daughter was in the back of a 96 Ford Bronco jumping up and down, freaking out because she got to see her grandma. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Wow. Incredible. Great grandma. <laughs> Incredible. So you guys make the decision. Your 10 years in Columbia is done. What, what, what's next? What, what, what happened? You know, because you have that 10 year plan, you, you, you're, you're dedicated, you're regimented, you have all these things, you, you're doing all this stuff. What next, Robert? I mean, yeah. that had to be pretty abrupt to be like, okay, what we're coming back to Colorado. What do we do now? When, when the last 10 years of your life had been so structured. Well, and actually God, God opened the door. So the church that supported us and sent us had moved out to the suburbs and multiplied substantially and was in a position to um, hire a pastor of outreach. And, and so I still was able to work with the same church, the same leadership and write your own job description. And, and essentially they allowed me to write my own job description and, and really redefine what it meant to be an outreach pastor and what it meant for um, the relationships between missionaries and the church. Um, they're typically very transactional. You know, the church meets a, a missionary on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night and they yeah. do their little PowerPoint presentation and they say, Oh, their kids are so cute. And what they're doing is so fun and let's support them. And they decide, you know, to exchange checks for newsletters. And, and really I, I, and this was in 2008 when businesses were shutting down and, and people were stopping travel again. And, and I, I really got the elders on board and, and got them excited about the idea of, you know, we need to see what our missionaries are doing on the ground. I need to go and, and be on the ground and, and see, you know, see who they are, see what they're doing. And then I want to take teams to see and sh to share and to make that, make that connection, that attachment, because what, what I really want is our missionaries to believe that there's a relationship here, that that their value to us is more than just this, this monthly check. Because when a missionary has trouble in their marriage, they have trouble in their ministry, we've set up a system where the church is the last place they're going to tell. Yeah. Because the church finds out they're having trouble in their marriage, the church says, well, you no longer qualify for support. Yeah, so we got to shift those support. funds somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, so so making it a relationship where the transaction is no longer the issue. Hey, we're going to still support you and and if you're having trouble in your marriage, or you're having trouble in your ministry, the church is the best equipped to walk you through that. 
to walk with you and, and help you. And so um, really work to build relationship and trust with those missionaries so that so that we really could walk alongside them um, when they're dealing with life's, you know, realities. <laughs> and and it broke my heart to see missionaries lose their marriage. It broke my heart to see missionaries lose their ministry because they were afraid to ask the one place that could help them. Well, help. and Robert, here's the thing, too. You go to that, you know, I, I love that. And I don't want to call it a strategy. Okay. I think that's a terrible thing to, to, to use, but I love that intention because here's the, here's the intrinsic value to that. You send a, you send a check to the missionary there that you're trying to help and you don't realize that they're making the dollar stretch and they, they actually have deeper, greater needs than what you realize. You go, I didn't realize that you get that this wasn't enough we didn't realize that what we're sending you is not nearly enough of what you need you know um you need reliable transportation you don't have it you need a you need a a better place to live you don't have it you need a better place to worship because it's not there there's there's things that, and, and we've supported missionaries in our church for years and and i love that perspective it's like you don't know what the true needs are. You think you're just sending money and meeting the needs when there's deeper, greater, bigger needs that they have that you don't have any idea about. Did that, did you see a lot of that when you went to these different places to, to, to do these, uh, to do these connection points with, with missionaries? Well, and I mean, it's interesting. So one of the first, we have partners in Tanzania and in, in Uganda and, and, they're right next to each other. So my first trip, we arranged for me to go into Tanzania and then go straight into Uganda. And uh, and the partnership in Uganda was was questionable. It was, you know, it was the church was introduced to this pastor through uh, a mutual acquaintance, and so they weren't didn't necessarily have the same background. The church knew that they had a school, and it was kind of all premised on the school. Mm -hmm. But the reality was him and his wife were both preaching and teaching. And there was a lot of things that the elders were going, well, you know, we're not sure. They weren't American. And I actually, you know, went over there with the intention of, you know, how do we sever this relationship? Oh, wow. But then God showed me so many incredible things <laughs> that that became one of our strongest partnerships. And I took, I took, you know, three different, four different teams down there to work together with the school and with the church. And, and the relationship had continued for, you know, for many years. And so you just don't know what, you know, what can happen when you get on the ground and you see, you see the reality. Um, you Did know, you that change the, the way you coached when, when you started your own business, when you would go into, to come, forget, forgive me for, for jumping in there, but I got to think that that is a, an, a, a divine V8 moment, right? Where, where you can take what you learned from that situation. You went in with one thought in mind. Okay. This is a broke, this is broken. We've got to, to move on this. There, there's some things that aren't happening correctly. You get on the ground, you see it. And the Lord shows you something else. Has that helped you? 
in what you do now that when you actually get into a company that you see a different perspective than you initially went in there thinking you were going to fix? Well, I think it just increased the opportunity for for me to let go of knowing and and be more curious, which is always more powerful. I think as a, especially as a coach and maybe as a pastor, I think the biggest challenge is when people think that they know. And and the minute you say, well, I know that, right? When you're sitting in a room or a conference or an event or even church on Sunday morning and your brain, you tell your brain, oh yeah, we know that. Then you discount the opportunity to apply it because you've heard it before and you know it. Like, oh, that's true. But have you done anything with it? And I think that for me, that was that that's the eye-opening opportunity for me to continue using curiosity to dig into not allowing my clients to say, oh yeah, I knew that. I I've heard that. Because that's a shutdown moment rather than yeah. an opening up moment. Um, and so for me, it was okay, <laughs> I gotta be I gotta be more open-minded to growth. I gotta be more open-minded to how do I apply this rather than getting this, you know, oh yeah, I know what's going on. Yeah. No, and, 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 and that's, that's a hundred percent it because a lot of times in life we stop being curious because we can Google a lot of answers to things that we, that we want to know instead of really digging and searching and, and, and opening up and understanding. I got to ask you both this, take me to an, a moment where you overcome, where you overcame something, a big obstacle or something like that. In the few minutes that we have left, I want to hear about overcoming a moment of great struggle or an obstacle in your life. In the story that comes to mind, I'm not sure it's exactly what you're asking, but I, I was a, the woman that just did everything. And I think that's common for, for moms and any job that needed done, whether it worked, the church home, I could, if I could do it, yep. Yeah. Let's let me do it. So I spent a season on trying to figure out how to say no. And people around me were encouraging me. It's okay to say, no, you don't have to do everything. And so they actually made me a sign. I was the secondary principal at the school in Columbia and they made me a sign to say, no, remind me, you can say no. And I went to a teacher's retreat where the speaker was trying to say, it's not that you're saying no, you're saying yes to priorities. So a lot that we have incorporated into our co coaching is putting boundaries around what is important. What are your values and what is really important to you? And if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't align with who you are and what you're trying to do, it's okay to say no, because you're saying yes to what really matters. No, I love that because that can be a situation where it becomes devastating emotionally. It becomes damaging. You end up basically losing your mind. Like I, I have felt like at times because I have taken so much on, I'm like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Did you ever feel that way? Noel? I mean, there, it's, it's definitely a struggle because there's so much going on and how, you know, what do you say no to? I mean, we're in, we're overseas. There's nobody else that I can lean this on. I don't have anybody really to communicate with besides Robert. It was just, you know, there's a school, but it's, if I don't do it, who's gonna, it has to get done. Yeah. So yeah. You got, you do get stretched and that's not necessarily what God intended. I think leaders are, I think there are a lot of leaders today that feel that way. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. If, if, you know, and, and I've been that way in leadership and in my own life, it's like, okay, if I don't do it, who's going to, 
you know, um, and I trust me more than I trust you. So, you know, and, and I think that's that that's what happens to a lot of leaders. Right, Robert, you got something. You, I know there's something you want to add there. Well, I, I just want to finish Noelle's story because she's already jumped from one end to the other. But, you know, when we went to Costa Rica, she hadn't been to college yet. And 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 she started her college online in, in Costa Rica. And then when our daughter went to school in Colombia, she became a teacher's aide at the school at the same time as still still working on college. And then she was asked to teach. And so she started teaching math and then she moved up and got her master's degree in education. And, you know, through our nine years in Columbia, that she went from, you know, working as a teacher's aide at the missionary school to becoming the secondary principal at the missionary school. And it, it, it's a combination of doing what needed to be done, but it's also a testimony to to her ability as a leader and her ability to 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 continue moving up and she did the same when she went to work for the state of Colorado she started with a little no brain job just to get by and was quickly shifted into leadership and shifted into training and supervising um and so she's always done incredible stuff and 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 I think God's continued to use her to have an impact in in people's lives far bigger than she even imagines well and I feel like that that epiphany moment Noel and forgive me if I'm I'm assuming here but it feels like that epiphany moment where you said yes to priorities and getting your masters and 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 accelerating your education became a priority that you just said okay i'm gonna lay you know the apostle paul talks about laying aside every weight and sin that does that easily besets us because sometimes we weren't built to take stuff on that we take on so yeah we weren't and sometimes it's okay that things don't get done even if I am the best person to get it done, it doesn't have to be done. Yeah. What's going to happen if it doesn't? That's such a good point. That's a great place for us to, to end this conversation. It's okay to not, not that everything doesn't have to get done. I love that. Noel, beautiful point to the final word there. Tell the folks how they can get connected to you guys. Um, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, addvalue2life.com is their website. But how else can folks connect to you? And uh, we do have a freebie out there to help you evaluate where you're at and to dream and dream big and uh, specific at addvaluemindset.com. I love it. Addvaluemindset.com. And hey, if you do connect to them and you hear about about it, tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast, you know, because like, you know, that it all works together here. Robert and Noel Peterson. I have loved this conversation. Thank you both so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Thank you, Brian. Well, Brian, thank you. And and I just appreciate, obviously, Intentional Encourager. Our company name, Add Value to Life, is, is built on encourage one another and build each other up, which is, in my mind, build each other is is to add value. And so appreciate you and, and what you're doing and, and the impact you're having, inspiring people and sharing inspirational stories. Likewise, Robert Noel, what a, what a joy to have you today. Thank you.
My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, and anytime, any place can be an intentional encourager.